Let's do it. Let's do it. Now, the guy who likes to get down and dirty, but cleans up real well. You get it. It's time for Beyond Okra with David the Hound Leggett. Leggett. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, whatever time it is, wherever you're listening to this, this is another episode of Beyond Ultra. I am your house, David, uh, your house, (laughs) I am your host, David the Hound Liggett. Today is March 17th, 2016, it is St. Patrick's Day, so happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. It is 11.30 a.m. in Pennsylvania. As always, my show is brought to you by P4P Muscle and P4P Studios, the number one drug-free athlete sponsorship foundation in the world. So if you're if you're an athlete that is looking for a solid foundation or just looking for a clean, drug-free based supplement, check out P4P Muscle at p4pmuscle.com. You can use my code HOUND at checkout for 15% off. You may hear my baby hound in the background barking. She is rambunctious today. So uh, you just have to bear with me. Today's show is going to focus on gear selection for your upcoming 2016 race and training season. A lot of times I'm out driving around and I see uh, new runners uh, out running on the road and I often wonder where they go to get their gear and I often wonder who supplies their gear. And it's nothing to them. They don't understand. They go to a big conglomerate and they say, I want running gear. I want to go out and run. I want running gear. And the conglomerate says, well, you're going to need pants, shorts, shoes, socks, water bottles, uh, phone holders, headphones, music, and all kinds of reflective doodads and gadgets and things that are just going to ultimately make you run faster or make you run better. Well, I'm here to tell you folks that that is not true. You're going to go into a conglomerate, you're going to ask them for running gear, and they're going to try and sell you everything under the sun, which probably isn't even what's right for you. Uh, And I see a lot of times people go out and they buy all this gear and they spend hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of dollars for gear. And they go out and run, and they hate it. And why is it they hate it? Because the gear itself is weighing them down. You're talking five extra pounds, five to ten extra pounds is just crap you don't need on your body. Um, so that's what today's show is going to focus on, is just trying to help you guys get along and uh, figure out what you're going to need for training and workouts and things of that nature. So the first thing I'm going to talk about, and uh, if you ever follow me on Instagram or uh, Facebook at Run Hound Run, uh, you'll notice that there is a particular type of gear that I always wear, and that's compression. And I'm going to talk about the the difference between compression versus loose. And I have sponsors, and I have uh, all kinds of things that I that I do for running and racing and weightlifting and all those things. I do have sponsors, and I'm not necessarily going to promote my sponsors to you guys. I'm going to try and help you figure out what is exactly best for you. So the benefit of compression gear, and I'm not talking about compression gear. You go to a, a conglomerate and you pick up a, a piece of spandex sitting on the shelf and go, you know, this is this is what's going to help me. This is what's going to do it. I'm talking about legitimate, established, medical-grade compression. 
And yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug them. They are they are one of my sponsors. Athletics Eight Athletics Eight um, Company developed a medical grade compression gear. And initially, its design was for people that had surgery, and it was for post surgery recovery. So it was designed to put on after surgery and just compress the area that the surgery had been uh, completed at. Uh, Athletics Eight also developed a line of slimming and uh, trimming you know, modes of compression to basically to make you make you look good under your outfits, um, put curves where curves should be, things of that nature. But Athletics Eight realized that they could take this medical grade compression uh, to the next level, and they decided to break out into uh, athletes and specifically obstacle course racing, which is something I do. But I'm going to tell you the benefits of medical-grade compression, not just athletics, eight, but medical-grade compression. So the, 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 the reason for medical-grade compression is a couple things. Number one, it boosts your performance. It keeps your muscles uh, free of cramps, helps fight them off. It basically keeps cramps away longer. Uh, it helps reduce that heavy feeling in your muscles uh, during your workout. So basically, your muscles can, can start to develop the lactic acid, and they just start to feel heavy and weigh you down. And basically, you're going to get tired. So they basically keep you at a higher level of performance in that aspect. The medical-grade compression holds your muscles in the ideal position, so movement after movement, and it improves the circulatory system. So it keeps the, uh, the oxygenation, the oxygen flowing through your blood throughout your workout. Uh, wearing the compression also reduces soreness, and that reduces muscle impact and vibration, which is a major cause of fatigue. So when you're out running and you're you're hammering on the pavement or you're hammering on the trail or you're working out and your muscles are basically free to swing and free to swing away from your body and uh, with your bones and uh, basically that swinging and reestablishing back and swinging and reestablishing back basically causes fatigue and soreness, which is basically going to tie you out and cause you to uh, lack in performance. So medical-grade compression and Athletics 8 does that same thing. Athletics 8 actually uh, says that they did a study, and it showed that 27%, there is a 27% uh, reduction of impact force by Athletics 8 garments maintaining specific levels of compression. Um, so that means that Athletics 8 is a certified fabric, and it reduces the amount of impacts by 20% that your muscles have on your body. So every time your muscles slam back into your body or slam down or you plant down, it reduces that, that by 27%. The uh, other thing is, is that uh, Athletics 8 carries a Coolmax rated moisture control, and their uh, three-dimensional wrap knit construction pulls moisture away from the body and allows air to circulate. Uh, pretty much... Compression will do that. It's going to uh, keep you keep you cool, but also keep the uh, the muscles uh, oxygenated. So it's going to uh, basically keep your body warm, but keep that that sweat away from your body, which uh, which will cause your muscles to cool down. So I I think that's kind of a, a good factor. Now, not always I found is compression gear ideal for uh, whatever's going on you know, in your daily routines. If you go to the gym, I mean, compression gear is great for every type of workout, but not everybody likes compression gear and not always is compression gear always, always the, the you know, a number one top complete thing you need to wear. Uh, there are various types of loose fitting gear 
out there for when you work out, when you race, that are also exceptional. Uh, anything with dry wicking, moisture wicking fabric, anything that's soft, like a microfiber, is fantastic on your body. Uh, sometimes if I run in a shirt, sometimes I run shirtless, sometimes I run in a shirt. Um, you know, depending on the distance you run or how you run or how your body swings, you get that chafing aspect, you get hot spots, you get things of that nature from uh, basic clothing, basically just the, the consistent rubbing the entire time. So a microfiber or a uh, dry wicking shirt is usually a pretty decent way to go, and that'll reduce the, the wear and tear on your body. Uh, fellas, you know, uh, sometimes I hear that the, uh, the nether regions on the chest get a little chafed and bloody. Um, so, you know, for those things, uh, if you guys are triathletes or if you're uh, ultra distance runners like me, I would also add on with a loose fitting shirt a, uh, some type of body glide. Uh, you put it in high chafing areas such as the chest, the underarms, uh, the legs, things of that nature. Uh, body glide was originally designed uh, in triathlons to be applied to the skin under the wetsuit. So if you guys have ever run triathlons, you know that wetsuits are, are fairly snug. Uh, and in a triathlon, it helps you with your buoyancy and swimming. So a lot of people wear, wear wetsuits in triathlons. But they're hard to get off of you in a hurry when you're trying to transition from the swim to the bike. So they they designed this, this body glide to put on underneath the wetsuit. It basically just slides right off of you. Um, I found that body glide has many applications, not just for... Uh, wetsuits, again, you know, it, it's for the sensitive areas of your body. I use it uh, in ultra marathons, and it's fantastic. I don't, I don't ever have chafing. I don't have hot spots, no bloody spots, nothing of that nature. So uh, go out, check it out. So check out compression gear. Um, do yourself a favor and measure your body when you're doing that. A lot of people get the wrong size, and the gear is just loose. Uh, you don't want the gear overly tight, but you don't want the gear to be real loose either because it's not, it's not giving you any benefit if you're going to wear compression gear loose. There's, there's no point to even going out and spending the money on good medical-grade compression gear if you don't get it to fit. So measure your body. Everybody's body types are different. People, people get, uh, get down on themselves when they measure their body. It means nothing. People are all different. Um, just make sure you get what, what works best for you. And I, I, I can tell you, medical-grade compression, I absolutely love it. Uh, you'll see it a lot in my race photos, a lot in my training. Uh, I absolutely am a fan. So, uh, you know, the other benefit is is when you're done with a race, you can wear this compression as soon as you're done, head to toe, and just recover in it. Just sit around and recover. And basically just keeping yourself snug and together is, is a good recovery. All right. Loose-fitting gear, again, make sure you measure it. Uh, and it's all in per personal preference. All these things that I talk about, guys, are personal preference. Not everything works for everybody. Some people say, well, you know, they, they go out from the conglomerate and they buy, you know, the, the other competitors' uh, compression gear and they think it works fine. That's great. I'm just trying to give you a, uh, a basic base of how to perform at, at your peak. Uh, the next thing I, I, I like to talk about is socks. Socks are very important. People think, well, how can a sock be important? You know, I wear the, the white cotton one off the shelf. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you do anything for an extended period of time on your feet, you know, your feet sweat, they move around, they shift in shoes, 
and they can cause hot spots. And what are our hot spots? Basically, uh, if anybody if anybody's experienced this, it's just a warm sensation in certain areas of the feet uh, as your feet slide and build friction in your shoe. Now there are socks out there designed to basically stop hot spotting and stop blisters and stop all kinds of stuff. Uh, <clears throat> I like the Swiftwick Corporation. I like Swiftwick socks. They're made with a, uh, I guess a, what do you want to call it? I guess a characteristic called olefin. And olefin is a Nobel Prize winning fiber that retains less than 0.01% of its weight. So if you sweat, it wicks the sweat way over, right away from your feet. They don't get soggy. They don't get heavy. Uh, nothing of that nature. Olefin also reduces the hot spots in your feet. So pretty decent fiber. There are other socks out there that carry microfiber or polyester blends. Um, they're pretty decent, too. It, again, it's all in personal preference. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, I, I, I don't want to wear Swiss Lick. I want to wear, you know, extra whatever. Great. It, it's whatever you choose. But avoid... Uh, like I said, avoid cotton um, for your for your racing. Like especially if your feet are going to get wet. If you're going to go out and do a Spartan race or an obstacle course race or just you know a trail run where you're going to be in the water, you don't want anything that's going to soak up water, anything that's going to rub. You know, just just be pertinent and patient with your gear selection. But again, do your research. This is how I how I learned everything. I did my research and I tested things out. Uh, there are other socks out there that offer bamboo blend. You're going to see that in socks, bamboo. Uh, still, great socks. Again, no hot spots. Um, again, I like the Olefin, but it's all personal personal preference. So just just try and try and avoid hot spots, especially if your feet are going to get wet. They're going to shift. They're going to slide around in your shoes, and they're going to develop blisters and huge just burrs and, and nasty things on your feet. So, you know, take good care. All right, we'll roll into shoes. I get questions all the time before a race of what shoe am I going to wear? What kind of lug am I going to wear on a trail? Uh, what kind of shoe am I going to wear on a road, on a distance road? Um, again, not everybody's the same. So when you, you contact somebody and you say, well, what are you going to wear? It doesn't mean because I wear, and I'll tell you, I, I wear a minimalist shoe. I wear a three millimeter drop most times, but other times I, I run in the zero drop. Uh, it's just, again, it's just all preference. I like to run barefoot, so I run in a minimal shoe. I run three millimeters. Uh, I like the way that my uh, my feet hit the ground. I, I have that natural base running where I four foot strike, and the ideal strike is to a four foot. Now, not minimalist is uh, not a minimal shoe is, is right for everybody. Uh, minimalist shoes can cause sprain on your Achilles, on your calves, on your hamstrings if you have not transitioned to them properly. So I don't suggest going to a full shoe that has a nice, nice thick sole down to a minimal shoe with a with a low drop from heel to toe. Um, and three millimeter drops basically the the height level from the heel to the to the forefoot three millimeters. Most shoes, most full shoes run around uh, 23 millimeters, uh, 18 millimeters, 20 millimeters, 25 millimeters. So you can see the difference there, around three millimeters, uh, basically barefoot. It's basically running, running barefoot. Um, Topo Athletic makes a shoe that has an aggressive wide toe box, and that helps your toes splay. And if you don't know what splaying is, it's basically the spreading of your toes as they strike down on the ground. 
Uh, you want splaying. Splaying is the natural movement of your foot. You don't want your feet crammed into a shoe so your toes can't splay. Uh, that doesn't mean go out and buy a full a full scale shoe wide because that doesn't mean it's going to fit in the heel or fit in the in, in the midfoot. You want a nice snug midfoot, but you want your toes to splay. Topo Athletic T O P O does make a shoe of that nature, uh, which is, which again fits fits comfortably, and they are all minimalist. Uh, they do develop a shoe with a five millimeter drop. I find that most people that don't run millimeter or uh, minimalist are okay with the five millimeter drop. So again, it's all in personal preference, but. Do me a favor and go out and try the shoes on. If you're going to go online and you're going to look at shoes and say, you know what, I can get them cheaper online as opposed to a local running store or things of that nature, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But make sure you're trying shoes on. Make sure they don't hurt your feet, even just standing or walking. You know, you're going to be doing a lot of activity in these, and you're going to be spending a decent amount of money for these shoes. So you got to make sure they work for you and what's best for you. So the other thing is, is shoes, uh, trail shoes, there are some companies out there that develop a rock plate. And a rock plate is basically a uh, plastic or metal, and it's in the forefoot and heel of the shoe. And basically, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. When you step on a rock or a jagged rock in the trail, it's going to keep it from damaging your foot. Now... It's all in personal preference. I would suggest having two different pairs of trail shoes if you're going to go that route. If you're a big trail runner like I am, having two different trails of parachute. Uh, what is with me today, guys? Two different pairs of trail shoes, one with a rock plate, one without. Um, most times, most trails that most people run are just, you know, flat. They've been, they've been uh, hard panned in by other people on the trails and minimal rocks. So you don't always have to run with a rock plate. Uh, to get the best out of your shoes. So, you know, try them out. I like the rock plate. Rock plates don't add a lot of weight to your shoes, but they're great. There's a lot of trail runs that I run that are very, what we call technical and uh, rocky and jagged and things of that nature. Uh, the other thing is, is the lug. A lot of people want to go aggressive. And by aggressive, I mean lugs that are like a quarter to a half an inch thick and spaced out fairly decently that basically repel mud. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there that, that make those shoes specifically for obstacle course racing, and uh, a lot of people want to wear them on the trail as an, as an everyday trail shoe. <clears throat> Be careful with that, because with the spacing of lugs like that, you basically sacrifice support in the, in the underside of your foot, and not having the extra lugs in that shoe when you step down on rocks and things of that nature, it's going to hurt. Um, so just be careful when you put on a pair of shoes that have a aggressive lug. Uh, there are companies that make aggressive lugs with little lugs in between. Um, those are okay. Those are perfectly fine. But if you're going to run a uh, an obstacle course race, I would, I would suggest getting an aggressive lug. You want something that propels the mud off instantaneously. Uh, something that drains well. Again, you want shoes that drain well. Um, as soon as you step in water, water goes in the shoe. You don't want it sloshing around. You don't want it not having a way to get back out of your shoe. So you want it to drain well. So get a shoe that drains well as well. Uh, they vent. Uh, there's shoes that make actual drain ports in them. Uh, 
So check them out. Do your research. Again, try them on before you buy them. If they if they remotely feel discomforting or uncomfortable or hurt your feet, then don't get them. You know, don't spend $180 on a pair of shoes because someone told you they're the best on the market. Again, not every shoe is the best for each person. So do your research. That's how I go through. Do your research. Um, you know, on race day or before race day, do your research on the type of terrain you're going to be encountering. If it's the trail, then, you know, you should know that if it's rocky, then you probably want a rock plate shoe. If it's muddy, you probably want an aggressive look. Uh, I mean, muddy, muddy. I don't mean just here and there dirt where, you, you know, it's a little wet and you run through. I mean, aggressive muddy like a trail, like a uh, obstacle course race. <clears throat> if it's the road, you know, what kind of road conditions are you going to hit? Uh, I like my minimalist again on the road, too. Um, you know, there's a lot of road shoes out there. So you got to make sure you're make sure you're doing your research. Uh, a lot of people like the, the shoes that are wide webbed. For, for road, road, which is the, the canvassing being wide webbed and they breathe and they're fantastic. So just, just do your research. See what's best for you. And, uh, you know, hopefully what I'm talking about with shoes doesn't, doesn't go overhead or, you know, go past anybody because I know it can be confusing for the, for the person that's the, the first time out and then they're going to ask, well, which one do I pick? You're telling me to, you know, get these certain types of shoes and look at these shoes. Which one do I pick? Again, just make sure they don't hurt your feet. Um, make sure they're not super weighty. If they're heavy, a lot of times uh, shoes are heavy, and that becomes a problem when you run. You don't want heavy shoes, especially if you're going to run distances. Uh, as soon as you sweat, sweat goes into the shoes. Uh, you know, they bog down with water. They just you're just going to feel like you're carrying cement blocks. So do your research on your on your ounces. I like shoes that are, uh, you know, 11 ounces. A lot of people don't like 11 ounce shoes. They think it's, they think it's weighty, and most people can't. Most people don't don't tell the difference between an 11 ounce shoe and say a 20 ounce shoe or a 7 ounce shoe. But have been running for a long time, so when I pick up an 11 ounce shoe, I can definitely tell it's not it's not my standard 7 ounce racing shoes that I wear you know, in weight, but an 11 ounce shoe, I don't think is, is that bad. So again, just do your research on the weight of your shoes and, uh, don't get something super heavy. You don't want cement block feet when you run, you're not going to be able to kick up. You're not going to get a good foot strike. You're not going to get any of that because you're, you're too busy carrying around these heavy shoes. All right. The next thing I have on my list here, I'm going right off the list guys, did my research. Um, hats versus visors, or no hat, nothing at all, sunglasses. A lot of times I found issues on the trail. If you have dark sunglasses and you're running a, a trail race, it's tough at times to see where root structures or rocks or things are embedded into leaves just because, I mean, you're already in trees where there is a minimal amount of light, and then you wear dark sunglasses. You know, it, it can be bothersome and cause problems. Uh, I find a lot of times, though, that I like sunglasses because there are sections on trail races where you get out and it's just full bore sun and glare and, you know, you want something to protect your eyes, which also brings the arguments to hats and visors. Visors are a great thing to run in. It vents. It's not covering your whole head. It's still giving you a protective glare. A lot of companies make running visors, specifically running visors. 
I don't mean the, the snapback visors that you go buy, you know, the MLB store or something with your favorite favorite baseball team. You can run with that, but I'm talking about a nice moisture-wicking, uh, soft headband, uh, a head sweats type visor that's going to keep the sweat out of your eyes, basically keep your head well-vented, but do its job. Keep the sun out of your face uh, and block the glare. Hats. Um, I run in trucker hats a lot. Uh, I like the uh, the vented paneling in the back, the mesh and things of that nature. Uh, I also like standard running hats, like an actual running hat. And it looks like a regular baseball hat. The difference is obviously they're uh, moisture-wicking fabric and they breathe well. They almost breathe like visors. So, you know, it's all in your preference. If you want to wear a hat, don't want to wear a hat. I know a lot of, a lot of women wear visors. Uh, they have ponytails or shorter hair, and it just seems to work well for them. So again, it's all, all in what you want to do. I, I will not run a road race without wearing a hat, a visor, or sunglasses. Road always. Um, there's always a glare that comes off the macadam. Even though people want to believe that the macadam kind of, kind of reduces the glare, it doesn't. When you're out running in the heat or in the summer and it's hot and sunny and bright, you're going to be thankful that you have sunglasses or a visor or a hat on. So... Go out, choose the one that's best for you, make it match, make it don't match, make it fun, whatever you want to do. GPS watches. I get a lot of this. Do, do I wear a GPS watch? Yes, I do. Uh, the reason why is I don't like to carry my cell phone. I don't like to carry my wallet. I don't like to carry anything like that. So I don't, well, I don't know what the wallet would have to do with it. <laughs> Sorry. But the cell phone, a lot of people have apps on their cell phones that track their distance and track their speed and track their times for racing. Um, I use a GPS watch. It does the same exact thing, and I carry it on my, on my wrist. I don't have to worry about putting it in pockets. I don't have to worry about wearing gear that has pockets. You know, that's the other thing is you want to reduce what you're carrying on board with you when you're running, when you're training, when you're wearing your gear for, you know, racing. Reduce what's on board with you. Uh, so I wear a GPS watch. Do your research on those as well. There's a lot of good deals out there in GPS watches. TomTom, Tom, Garmin, Timex. Uh, TomTom Tom runs a, a standard GPS watch, no heart rate monitor, no nothing for $89, which I don't think is a, is a bad price at all. Um, it keeps accurate distance. I like it for my distance and speed. Uh, there are times I wear the heart rate monitor, but I don't always heart rate monitor train. Uh, Mio Globo, M-I-O Global, they also produced now a heart rate monitor watch that you can wear on your wrist, and it monitors it by some type of infrared system that goes right against the vein in your wrist and monitors it. You don't even have to wear the strap anymore. You just wear this watch, in it, and it will give you your heart rate. A lot of people like to, to train target heart rate zones for cardio and fat burning, so you know, again, do your research, see what's best for you. But yes, I like to wear a GPS watch so I can minimize what I carry on board with me. Uh, headphones. We can talk about headphones. We can talk about uh, music and, and things of that nature. Again, people carry cell phones with them to listen to music. They wear wired headphones. They wear wireless headphones. I carry a, a small iPod, uh, very lightweight. Uh, I found that, however, running 40 miles, 50 miles, et cetera, ultra marathons, I can't wear wireless headphones because the headphones don't last. Uh, I could try and speed up my runs, but, you know, what are you going to do? The, head, the headphones don't last. So I, I went wired 
Again, I like earbuds. Earbuds make a, a decent running headphone. Uh, occasionally, you get the ambient noise in the background. That's what they're designed to do is just get ambient noise. So if you're out on the road, you uh, can hear cars coming from either direction. Uh, still, it still doesn't interfere with the sound or music or anything that you're listening to. Uh, I like a lot of people told me they like uh, Power Beats too, and that's the Beats by Dre products. They say those happen to be uh, a fantastic earphone for uh, working out and running. They're uh, sweat resistant, water resistant, things of that nature. Uh, look for something that's sweat resistant, definitely. You don't want your sweat to, uh, as disgusting as it sounds, to ruin your electronics. I've gone through a couple iPods, a couple sets of headphones. I've blown out Bluetooth headphones because of sweating. So get something that's sweat resistant, sweat proof, and you should get, you guys should be okay. Um, the issue with headphones is, is, you know, you also got to get something that fits well. Uh, again, earbuds make custom design ear earpieces that basically lock into your ears. They don't come out. Uh, so just make sure it's something comfortable. It's soft. It's comfortable. It's not It's not that hard plastic that, that sits in your ears. The uh, other thing I, was, I, I do is I use Bluetooth headphones at the gym or while I'm doing CrossFit. And I don't want the wires in the way while I'm working out. So, uh, again, research a good Bluetooth headphone that is sweat-resistant, waterproof, and you guys should be okay. Uh, here's a good one. I talked about I don't carry my cell phone or uh, ID with me. A great product out there that's been developed for athletes and runners and cyclists is Road ID. Uh, you see a lot about it if you watch Tour de France. You see a lot of advertisements for Road ID. It's a fantastic little uh, bracelet. You put your name, put your phone number, put your emergency contact, and if you have any medical issues. So, God forbid something will happen to you while you're out running, and uh, someone would find you. They could look at this road ID and see exactly what they're what they're looking at. If you have any issues, fantastic. It's it's very inexpensive. They have all different styles, all different color bands, all different things you can carry with you uh, for braceleting. They have medical alert add-ons for it. Great stuff. They are a great company. They will actually replace the the band and the, the metal pieces if there's any issues. They guarantee them for life. Uh, I did have an issue where I don't know if the coating was off on one of mine. It's the only time it's ever happened where it, it rusted. I called them, no questions asked. They sent me they sent me a whole new setup. No no no. No prices, no extra fees, nothing. Just send me a new setup. The only thing they asked is that I sent back the uh, the piece that got rusted just so they could see what happened to it. Again, amazing company, amazing customer service. Let's talk about hydration. Uh, I don't know what you guys carry for hydration. A lot of people carry bladder packs. I carry orange mud water bottles, which is a water bottle pack that to tie up on the on the back on the shoulder blades. Uh, basically keeps everything off the uh, mid to lower back and reduces the sloshing or the shifting, weight shifting. Again, this is all personal preference. The orange mud, consequently, is making a bladder pack that is very flat. Uh, absolutely amazing. It, it's going to revolutionize not only mountain biking, it's going to be for mountain biking, but I could see it revolutionizing obstacle course racing. Uh, 
when you get into bigger distances, like an, say an ultra beast, which is 33, 30 miles, 31 miles, 33 miles of a Spartan race, and you want to carry hydration, there's times that, you know, you got to go under barbed wire and things of that nature. And sometimes the hydration packs that, that people are carrying are like backpacks and you just can't get it, take it off and slide it or carry it with you on the obstacle. The orange mud has developed one that, that sits very close and very flat ergonomic to the back. And I'm anticipating that that particular pack you will not have to remove to actually go under obstacles or go, go over things of that nature. So that's definitely going to revolutionize it. You could probably even get away with wearing a shirt over top of it and, and running the, uh, the the drinking nozzle out of the shirt or however you would do it. But honestly, it, it's going to be fantastic. So check them out. There's a lot of companies out there that, that make hydration. Again, it's all, all what you prefer. A lot of people prefer uh, like Solomon and things of that nature. It's all what your comfort level is. Again, I love Orange Mud. Just recently found them, and everybody that has seen that that wears it or or has their gear absolutely loves orange mud. So check it out, uh, see what you think. Um, let's talk supplements. There are a lot of supplements out there that you can take. Obviously, P4P. That's where it's at for me. Uh, P4P does not add anything into their supplements that is on the WADA uh, banned substance list. So they are a natural drug-free based supplement. Again, that was what my opening was about them being a drug-free athlete sponsorship foundation and a clean drug-free based supplement. The, their supplements are just minimal ingredients. You can pronounce everything in their ingredients. You can read everything in their ingredients. Uh, I like Alter Ego when I race at times. I'll mix Alter Ego and a, another, another uh, water enhancer called Oral IV. So I'll mix water, alter ego, and oral IV in a container, and I'll take that on my ultra marathons. Uh, there's things out there that uh, that boast about being endurance friendly, but just do your uh, do your research. There's nitric oxide boosters uh, naturally in like beet forms of beet, beet powder, beet elite. Uh, you'll see beet elite a lot of times advertised at uh, Spartan Race. It's a uh, just a, it's just a beet dehydrated into powder, and that is a performance enhancer. Nitric oxide will uh, oxygenate the blood faster. Again, that's what the compression gear does. So compression gear is similar to the supplement in the, in the fact that it oxygenates the blood and keeps you at your top performance. So you don't want to take anything that's going to cause you to have basically like a bloat belly or you know, make you feel heavy. So you got to watch the long-burning supplements like long-burning whey, whey proteins. There's some whey proteins out there that are concentrate that are long-burning and take 12, 14, even 24 hours to get out of your system. Um, I don't want to run with stuff like that in me. It's heavy. It's boggy. It's just, you know, you get that feeling, the sick feeling. That's why I like uh, people feed muscles uh, 100% iso whey. It doesn't stay with you. It, it, it gives you the nutrients and the proteins that you need, and it's done. Uh, branched chain aminos by P4P also, fantastic. Uh, if you guys don't know what branched chain aminos are designed to do, it's basically designed to keep your body from getting tired quicker. Uh, it's what your body needs and what your body burns during a workout or an exercise program or a race. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing I mix. I mix branched chain aminos, alter ego, 
oral IV and water as a as a, a drink base at times for my ultra marathons. May not work for everybody. I mix it all, may not work. So do what works, do the research. Uh just don't get anything that's gonna bog down your bog down your gut. You know, keep it keep it simple. Keep your supplements simple. You don't need all of the high price uh things out there on the market that boast about, you know, weight slimming and fat burning and high energy. Just keep your supplements simple. Check out P for P if you if you want want to know what I'm talking about. They're simple. Very simple stuff. So we talked about all that. Now let's talk about training in the gym. What do you need for the gym? You don't need much. Again, my supplements, I love my supplements. And you just got to wear uh, something comfortable, something that's functional for you. Don't need to go into the gym looking like a billboard. You don't need to go into the gym having all the high-priced gadgetry. You don't need all the all the, the weird equipment, um, anything like that. Just go in and be comfortable and do your thing. Dissident Gymwear, I talked about them a couple times on my show. I love them. They they make simple stuff. They have hats, some T-shirts, uh, cut sleeve sweatshirt. It's actually thin with a hoodie. I like putting that up sometimes because occasionally I like to sweat and just burn out some of the some of the sodium and things that I get in some of the foods that I eat. Uh, you know, it, it, it's again, it's all what works for you. But you know, be comfortable. You don't want to feel like you have to always be turning on gadgetry or adjusting something because someone told you it was the best thing to get for the gym and you're just not comfortable using it. So the whole the whole object is, is you want to be in a comfort zone. You want to enjoy working out. You want to enjoy racing. You want to enjoy running. So do what's comfortable for you. Don't don't get all this stuff you have to fumble for. If it's something that you, you feel you must use, then be familiar with it before you go to the gym or be familiar with it before you race or run. You know, it's the last thing you want to do in the middle of a race or a middle of a run is, is fumbling around electronics or fumbling around with gear because you don't understand how it works. Do the research, take the time to check everything out, and you guys will be okay. Again, I like Dissident Gym Wear. Geo is the man over at Dissident, and uh, tell them that the Hound sent you, and maybe they'll hook you up. Hopefully they will. They uh, actually give back to disabled athletes. So a portion of their sales go to disabled athletes. And that is a reason why another reason why I hooked up with that. So you can check out my Instagram at Runhound Run, my Facebook at Runhound Run. You'll see me rocking dissident. You'll see me rocking a couple of the, the companies that I talked about. Uh, you know, you'll see some uh some things, interesting things that I do for workouts. And uh maybe you want to recreate it yourself and go out. So I had myself scheduled for an hour, but we're at 40 minutes. And I think that you guys are very well informed as to what you need to do for here. So I'm going to be signing off at this point. This is another episode of Beyond Ultra with me, David DeHound Liggett. It is St. Patrick's Day, March 17, 2016. And thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoy your day. Be careful. Be safe. Be smart.